When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is gayish. The podcast so thirsty, even Bear Gryllis can't save it. <laughs> I bet, I bet, I bet Dan would drink his pee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't kick his pee out of my mouth. <laughs> I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today, we're going to talk about the totally comfortable, everything's fine subject of AIDS. Yeah, I... I'm glad we're doing it. Um, this was requested by Patreon member Steve Hartman. So I'm, I think we just needed a push to finally cover this important, terrifying topic. Yeah, but uh, the pressure I, is on, right? Like uh, he, he, <laughs> he told us the story. I don't know why he laughed. It's nervous laughter. Uh, told us the story about losing his boyfriend to AIDS uh, back in the day uh, in his 20s. and Which we should ask to see if we're allowed to say. Yeah. Um, I get the impression he's going to be okay with that. He's a boisterous fellow, but we should still check. But first. But first. It, news? Is it news time? Yeah, that thing we do every time at this point. Yeah, well, yeah I, I think it's know. time I for just, that. I keep, I keep wanting there to be like at least an opportunity for something before news. It always just feels so abrupt. Uh, yeah. You, all that's, right. That's what you say every time. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Um, okay, the news. News the first. Yeah. Broward County Sheriff's Office Deputy Shannon Bennett was 39. What's Broward County? Where's that? Florida. Florida. He was 39 when he died on April 3rd, just a week after testing positive for COVID-19. He had left work on March 23rd, feeling unwell, went to the hospital the following day, was tested for coronavirus. He was a proudly out gay man who was due to marry his fiance Jonathan Frey, later this year. And mm-hmm. he is believed to be the first such line of duty death from COVID-19 in the state of Florida. However, uh, his police chief, Dale Engel, commented that Bennett contracted the virus because he was a, quote, homosexual who attended homosexual sexual events. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have like linguistic problems, so- <laughs> sociological problems. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. So I don't know. It just like yeah. I mean, I've seen the things that are like it's the gays that cause corona, and then that person will get COVID. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a roller coaster for me because on on the one hand, you think okay, Florida, this is going to be bad. Yep, and then it is bad. Yep. At, but then but then part of me like a little tiny part of my brain is like okay but what if what if this dude like gay or not wasn't listening to social distancing and was going to full-on orgies like that's not totally like inconceivable right and like what if he what if he got coronavirus but, from going to orgies but if people get corona from going to church they're not going to place the same level of stigma on churchgoers it this is a distinctly homosexual thing that people are going to be like see your lifestyle is terrible no one's going to be like the, the church lifestyle go, christianity is terrible because christians all got together which some of them are doing 
I, so I think I disagree. A, I think I think that the liberal lamestream media will definitely make fun of people they, for going to church they on will, Easter Sunday. They will. I will fight you on this. They will make fun of them. They will have news stories about it, but they will not uh, say that the Christian lifestyle is evil and caused this, which is what homosexual people get. I don't know why I'm saying homosexual. Uh, that's the clinical like gay people. They're not going to say Christian people caused it and they sh- should change their lifestyle. Yeah. Well, yeah, because and then but the rest of the roller gets, the, the rest of the roller coaster is that whether he got it from going to orgies or not, it's not also, relevant. No, it is. Wait, but you just made that assumption. Like that's a very like assuming that a gay person got it because he went to an orgy. Like that's kind of fucked up. I didn't. I I don't. Okay. Where did you Maybe, get that? Where did you get that from? About he got it from an orgy. I tried because 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 of what this dude said. A homosexual who attended homosexual sexual events, like yeah, events, not, events is the word there that makes me think like hmm. I, I would not rely on this dude for accurate information about. Well, yeah, that's true. Gay people or I, I think you're making the leap that straight people sometimes do of, oh, a gay person got it. They must have been doing weird sex to each other. And so it's their fault. Their fault's a strong word. I know a lot of gay people, they do a lot of weird sex stuff to each other, and they should be staying the fuck at home right now. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, so a complaint was made for obvious reasons, and uh, as of April 11th, Police Chief Dale Engel was placed on administrative leave pending further review of allegations brought forward by the Fraternal Order of Police. So The FOP? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Let's see. Somebody said, uh, quote, for any reference to be made to the tragic passing of one of our brothers at the Broward Sheriff's Office is, if true, is absolutely not only unacceptable, but is just shameful. And it's not indicative of the professionals of the town of Davie that we know. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I I obviously don't like that story because a dude is dead. But I I think it's interesting that like a gay cop, like cop is not a thing that you immediately think gay. And then like he is actually without an an Indian, a leather boy and a yeah, (laughs) boy next to them. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, Okay. next. Yeah. Uh, Boy, all the stories today are downers. I'm sorry. Do you mean uh, it's a regular regular week? Regular are week. They, are they all Corona stories? No. Ooh, no. Okay, that's exciting. It's, yay! I'm excited about a different kind of downer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but this is this is another one that involves cops. Are you ready? Great. Sure. The Dawson County Sheriff's Office, uh, that's Dawson County, Georgia. Okay. Have been accused of quote cataclysmic failure by LGBT plus activists after cops arrested nine men following a three day sting operation they conducted through Grinder. <gasps> so a what cop, did they arrest them for? Uh, largely on drug and prostitution charges. Hmm. Um, so Sergeant Derek Johnson created a profile on Grinder with the username Charlie eyeballs emoji looking for 420 and then initiated a conversation with uh, one of these guys and offered to host at the Dawsonville Quality Inn and Suites. Sure. And then when one of these hookups mentioned that he had marijuana, Johnson asked, quote, you share question mark and offered to provide rolling papers. 
the the sergeant messaged, "I want to get high and fuck." And <laughs> the suspect uh-huh. re- <laughs> the, the suspect replied, "Nothing wrong with that." Uh, but has been leveled charges of misdemeanor pandering, possession of marijuana, less than one ounce, and criminal attempt. Um, and then J-Lo showed up, because this is entrapment. Yeah. Was yeah. she in that movie? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Insert whatever the actress was in that, if it's not J-Lo. The roommate and I got in a giant fight the other night because I said she's overrated. Um. Okay. Oh, she so- definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> if not overall as an actress for sure yeah um, oh actress yeah <clears throat> okay anyway back to these assholes <laughs> sure <laughs> the thing about this story that sticks out to me is it is just um it, it is it strikes at the like super heart of fear that i have about doing anything online hmm. right like the idea that a law enforcement officer is on there it's entrapment it's fucking entrapment but that doesn't mean it isn't scary as fuck and it doesn't matter if it's a cop trying to set you up for something or if it's a bunch of straight guys that want to beat up a fag like just the the idea that people are on there trying to reel in people to do bad shit to them is so fucking horrible it it just it it hurts me you know what i mean yeah yeah although i feel like you do a little bit more online than i would at least like with video like i i don't share many pictures that no i don't share videos which i think you do more of that videos yeah like camming you can i can i am a camera you can bro (laughs) oh god um that would make me really nervous like that's why i don't take dick pics just like the idea of that just being on the internet it's just like none of that's secure yeah it's also just a dick but it's mine and that's what makes it special (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is my dick there are many like it but this one is mine <laughs> your dick is like your fingerprint for your <laughs> dick <laughs> great book them dano um uh gregory nevins an attorney with the lgbt advocacy group lambda legal said quote it does strike you as wow these are the priorities of a different era that just missed out on the last 20 years What's going on in Dawson County is against the grain. Where does the protect and serve baseline actually come into this? Where is any appreciation for not over incarcerating people who aren't doing anything harmful and looking out for situations where real harm is going on? It's a cataclysmic failure. I Fuck don't want to wait for our <laughs> lives to be over. Right now. Uh, God. I yeah the fact that we're still prosecuting any kind of like low level drug crime uh, or weed weed crime is yeah. preposterous. Much less okay okay so any bets about we should start this rumor maybe that it was actually just an excuse for a bunch of closeted cops to go on grinder. <laughs> Like, hey, we have this. Hey, Lieutenant, we have this awesome idea. We're going to totally catch a bunch of bad guys. No, it's not because I want to be on Grinder. It's not because I in- am interested in hit- hitting on dudes. That's preposterous. I'm looking for. I'm looking for hard criminals. Yeah, here, not not just hard dick. Rock hard criminals <laughs> that need the paddle of the law to slap down on their ass. Oh God, that sucks. Yep. Uh, news the last. So yeah. trying to be a little bit better about gay history and, and knowing gay history things. We actually lost a gay history pioneer, not to coronavirus, but just to being fucking old. Um, 
a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Pioneering LGBT plus activist, civil rights hero, and face of the same sex marriage movement, Phyllis Lyon has died at the age of ninety five. Uh, she actually has a tie to Seattle here. She uh, lived lived here and was active in in gay stuff uh, back in the day, hmm. but uh, lived in San Francisco at the end of her life here. She she passed away on Thursday. Um, she and her wife, Del Martin, were activists and mentors long before there was such a thing as an LGBT plus community. Quote, before cell phones, they always had their phone number listed in the phone book in case any young or terrified LGBT plus person needed help or support. And they fielded dozens of calls over the years. California's governor, Gavin Newsom, granted the couple San Francisco's first same-sex marriage license in 2004, back when he was just mayor. Uh, and he remembers Lyon as, quote, a dear friend. Phyllis and Dell were the manifestation of love and devotion, he tweeted. Yet for over 50 years, they were denied the right to say two extraordinary words, I do. They were married in 2004. The courts voided their marriage, declared it uh, um, uh, fake. Void. No, void. Yeah, <laughs> voided. Uh, fake. <laughs> But they went on to become the face of equal marriage in the United States. And in 2008, were one of the first same-sex couples to marry when it became legal in California. Uh, they met when Lyon was working as a journalist in Seattle. And they were one of the lesbian couples who co-founded the first lesbian organization in the U.S., Daughters of Bilitis, in 1955. Hmm. Um, she's being remembered as a giant and pioneer who changed the world for queer people. Uh, and then lots of, lots of people said lots of really nice things about her. Uh, her wife passed away in 2008 uh, after they married for the second time at the age of 87. Oh, married at the age of 87. But yeah, anyway, thanks for thanks for all your help, sister. Yeah, that's it. That's the news. I'm OK. This is I'm. Do you want to get into uh, AIDS now? Sure. Yeah, let's go from dead lesbians to AIDS. What do you say? <laughs> I, the the. <laughs> I think this is going to be a weird episode. I'm like, this is the most anxiety I've had about an episode in a while. Um, just because it's such a huge monumental topic that I basically know there's no way for us to get totally right. So it's just like, we got to take our best swing at it. And I'm grateful for Steve for um, requesting this topic. Cause it gave us a push. I feel like I've personally been kind of like avoiding this. Cause I know, how important it is and how like i don't want to fuck it up so uh, at least i'm glad he gave me the push to to learn more and hopefully hopefully we'll at least have some insight for people it's it's uh it's interesting to me i think when i when i think back at the timeline you are of an age i think that could conceivably not even know about what happened right yeah yeah yeah. it's it was definitely the generation. I was just thinking about this. Um, the first time I had sex was in 2000 with a, well, I never had sex with a woman. So it has to be with a dude was in 2005. So had I been alive just, I mean, 20 or maybe even 10 years earlier, that would have been a very different experience than it was for me. So I'm feel very fortunate. And then also guilty that, um, yeah, I was kind of past the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Yeah, well, and um, f- for me, I wasn't sexually active, but this whole pandemic, the the, the HIV/AIDS pandemic, uh, really had a major impact on me as a kid. Like, I I was born in the late '70s, grew up in the '80s, and um, 
it really, I, I don't, it's, it's hard to overstate, I think the impact that it had on even cis straight people in, mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, fear and, um, uh, it was a, a, a way to spread hate even, um, it definitely set back the gay movement, gay rights movement, um, by decades anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting to me as, as removed as you are from it. A lot of my friends are even younger than you and really just have no idea, like zero idea. And, uh, that's, that's probably, that's probably good and bad for different reasons. Right. And I'm sure yeah. that we'll get in, get into some of all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh do, go ahead. Why don't you do talk about your history stuff? Sure. Yeah. History stuff. Well, I'm, I'm not going to go back too far. I think that uh, Dan is going to talk about some stuff before 1981 um, in the Patreon segment. Right. Correct. Okay, great. So it, uh, it was first clinically reported on June the 5th, 1981 with five cases in the United States in the morbidity and mortality weekly report. And so I think that we've talked some about it. So I'll, I'll sort of um, go quickly through this part. But at first, didn't know how to talk about it. it. Didn't really even have a name for a while there. It was called grid gay related immune deficiency um, before they realized later that, oh, it's not just gay people that get it or have it. Uh, and it was renamed AIDS, which stands for acquired immune deficiency syndrome. And um, before um, before grid, it was people would call it gay cancer yeah or or in uh parallel to it being called grid it was called gay cancer and that's because let's talk about let's talk about aids so hiv is the virus that leads to aids and um there's actually a pretty specific route that it takes uh hiv takes and uh you only it's only right to call it aids when it reaches a certain threshold that threshold is uh in, in terms of uh, T-cell load. So uh, it actually, AIDS is a HIV infection with a T-cell count below 200 or the occurrence of specific diseases associated with HIV infection. So it, it lowers your immune system and makes you much more susceptible to a whole bunch of other kinds of, of, of disease. And people do die of AIDS itself, but Typically, people pass away of AIDS-related complications, which is a phrase that you may have heard in, especially like the newspaper likes to use that phrase, I think, when, when people pass away. Um, but uh, opportunistic infections then can take hold. So the most in common initial conditions that alert to the presence of AIDS are pneumocystis pneumonia, cachexia. I don't know if that's how you say that or not. Um, but uh, cachexia is m muscle loss and weight loss that is not... You can't fix it by just feeding them more. Um, HIV wasting syndrome is another uh, thing that that gets called. Esophageal candid candidiasis, Woo. which uh, candida is a. It's a yeast. I don't know if, yeah, I it's, it's a, a yeast. It's, yes, 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 yes. It's a, it's a yeast infection. That's like the the fancy the fancy word for yeast infection. But it uh, it's in the throat is usually where it, where it happens. And uh, a lot of people get it uh, after chemotherapy because chemotherapy similarly destroys your immune system. 
so then people with AIDS have an increased risk of developing various viral induced cancers. That includes Kaposi's sarcoma, which is uh, it forms masses in the skin, lymph nodes or other organs. And it creates a if you've seen it, I'm sure you've seen it before. You would recognize it if you saw it. But it, there's a there's a like a, a, a purple color associated with with the skin uh, in, in Kaposi's sarcoma. It looks which, like purple splotches all over your skin. Uh, Brickett's lymphoma, which is a cancer of the lymphatic si- si- uh, system. There's a primary central nervous system lymphoma, uh, which is a brain tumor, more or less, and uh, cervical cancer in, in women that are, uh, sorry, Woo! people with cervixes. <laughs> but uh, Kaposi's sarcoma, the, the purpley blotchy one, is is the most common and is sort of become the the, the way to visually depict people in late stage AIDS in mm-hmm. like uh, fiction, the media, movies, that kind of stuff. So one thing I didn't know until I started reading all of this is that a, 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 in my in my head, when you got HIV and begin the process of seroconversion, which isn't immediately, uh, uh, I thought it was asymptomatic. I thought it was just like, mm-hmm. oh, you, you have you have the virus and you don't know until bam, way later, you've got you know, severe complications and, and AIDS. And that's, that's yeah. not true. So early on, there is a flu like symptoms that can occur like two to four weeks after exposure. It's not what I had in my head of like months or years um, between exposure and having symptoms. So a lot of people develop an influenza like illness or a mononucleosis like illness two to four weeks after exposure. Symptoms occur in 40 to 90% of cases and most commonly include fever large tender lymph nodes, throat inflammation, a rash, headache, tiredness, and or sores of the mouth and genitals. Uh, The rash, which occurs in 20 to 50% of cases, um, appears on the trunk and is maculopapular. (laughs) Wait, you have to explain that? You can't just say maculopapular. Yeah, uh, maculopapular. It's um, flat red areas uh, on the skin with um, bumps, bumpy dots. Uh, some people also develop uh, opportunistic infections at this stage, and uh, they, vomiting or diarrhea may occur. May occur. There may be neurological symptoms. Um, what is interesting is a lot of people don't get diagnosed because a lot of these symptoms are uh, found in a lot of other diseases, and they also can go away after an acute portion, so people just sort of assume, eh, all right. Yeah, it feels like the flu, and then you get better. Yeah, exactly. So so a lot of people you know, who, who could benefit from uh, early treatment miss out on that because it that that constellation of symptoms doesn't always immediately make somebody think HIV including doctors yeah and then there is a latent stage and uh, it can last from about three years to over 20 years and there are few or no symptoms at first but near the end of the stage people get fever weight loss uh, gastrointestinal problems and muscle pain but like a lot of other diseases, syphilis comes to mind. There is a long period of time when you just are carrying it and like no, no real symptoms. And it's just kind of laying in wait inside your body, which that scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling bad about this episode now. Wait, why? Cause that was just a bunch of like information. I don't yeah. know. It just, do people 
starting with the information, I think is important. I think it's important that we have a foundation there. And I also think that it's a it's a way to get people like tuned out. Like, yeah. like did people did people already stop listening to this episode because like like they don't understand that we're talking about real humans and real suffering and that it's awful and um yeah that was a very clinical description of it which yeah um the downside is like it is so much more than the like the how it manifests and what it looks like and the like long named diseases that you could actually die from so i don't know what's going on kyle i don't know what's happening my i'm having like i'm having a uh, uh, an emotional experience I don't understand right now. Is this panic? Am I having a panic attack? I'm not having a panic <laughs> attack. Are you feeling anxiety? Yeah, I'm having anxiety. I, I, I don't. Um, I have like my experienced history, and I have. Um, we're going to talk about my uncle Tommy later. Uh, I have a great uncle that passed away of AIDS in 1990. Um, and I. I have a hard time like I don't I don't know what it was like to be a member of the community beyond like the few movies that I've seen and um I I I feel ill-equipped to sort of talk about that. I think it, we need to. Yeah, it's like, just the whole things. That's it. Like that's 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 what it is. It's it's what it was like being in the community at the time. Like that's when we talk about people don't understand it that's exactly what they don't understand i don't think i understand it like a whole generation of gay men are dead like they were basically wiped out they're gone like there are there are survivors but like there is an entire section of a a generation of 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 gay men that just are like gone and yeah um let me uh, let me look up just some numbers and then maybe I can give like what I listened to and watched and kind of give my like summary of what I learned. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I watched and listened to a ton of things about AIDS. So I watched We Were Here and B5 mm-hmm. and and the band played on. Those were all uh, they were documentaries uh, and the band played on like also had like s- some fictionalized uh, depiction of it. There's like a fuck ton of people in that movie, like Sir Ian McKellen. Um, yeah, I, I, I've seen two of those. What's B5? I'm um, unfamiliar. It is about the like section, the ward in a hospital that was dedicated to AIDS patients because other people wouldn't take care of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I listened to, uh, so I, I really liked work. We were here and B five. Both of those were documentaries that were really well done and showed, you know, the very personal effects of it and and people who uh, are gay and what they experienced during that time. So I would highly recommend that. Um, quick, quick correction: it, the movie is five B, not B five. Oh, are you very sure? I'm looking at their website right now. Okay. Okay. Cool. Anyway, it's. I, I don't want to go too far in comparing Corona with AIDS because AIDS was specifically targeting, it, it could affect to other people, but the gay community was particularly hit in near the beginning around when it was being called like grid. It was also being called the four H's, um, homosexual heroin, uh, the other H and the fourth H. <laughs> 
you know <laughs> we're doing so good <laughs> uh homosexuals hemophiliacs heroin addicts and haitians haitians that's right because um that was one of the times when they learned that it was um not just gay people is when they saw that some haitian immigrants uh had gotten it um so the four h's the four h's i hated that i mean it did show that it was beyond like just homosexual people but at the same time it was all these groups of people that are already disenfranchised and everyone was like eh doesn't matter so even though they're very different i think it's interesting thinking about aids with this new knowledge i have of what it's like when a, the world responds to a global pandemic um so there are at least some parallels that you can draw so you mentioned yeah the first case in 1981 well like at that time it was gate like people saw things uh that are that said gay cancer that there's a gay cancer that is killing people and no one knows why so you're gay you have no idea why but people start getting infected and dying and let's see in uh 1981 there were 122 deaths in 80 uh, that was uh, these are in adults um in 82 there are 453 in 83 there are uh, 1481 in 84 there are 3074 and it just goes up and up and up until let's see in 1995 there are uh, over 50,000 deaths in the US this is all US numbers so it is just growing astronomically year after year and the uh Reagan never talked about it until 1985 so yeah. i'm like when I'm thinking about our response to Corona, yes, I'm upset that it took three months or what, you know, whatever the real number, five months, something like that to actually admit that it's real, that it's not fake, that it is actually affecting people. Um, but I can't imagine going four years without anyone acknowledging that it's a thing, watching your friends around you die and not having anyone say like, yeah, like we know it and we're going to look into it and we're going to figure it out. The documentary 5B showed like how people on the front lines were helping and, and trying to educate people on like you can touch them. Like that's like it, it is not we find, we know now that it doesn't transmit that way, but people wouldn't wouldn't touch them. There are people that were risking their lives trying to just it's not about curing them from it is trying to make their death easier. Um, and the people that they interviewed in some of these documentaries were like, I would go to three funerals a week. And I was just, as I was watching all these things, just thinking about like, what would I do if 90% of my friends died? Like, yeah, I just, it's unfathomable. Like I can't, that plus the terror of not knowing why it's happening and not knowing how it's spreading. Uh, and people not, accepting it or recognizing it at a like a federal level like it's just this impossible combination of things that i just yeah i i am really glad i watched and listened to a lot of stuff so i can get an understanding as much as i can but yeah that's it's like i almost feel guilty that i kind of skipped over that and didn't have to deal with that um yeah, it's uh, just to, to personalize it a little bit. I was in high school, so it's even it's pretty late, like 92, 93, 94, 
somewhere in there. I don't remember exactly, but we had a we had a school assembly, and I remember this woman coming and speaking to the whole school about being HIV positive and what her experiences had been like. And I remember afterwards, and you have to remember, I went to a very small high school. We're talking like 300 people or less. That um, was so it's very intimate setting by by some standards. And uh, there was a, a line forming of people to hug her at the end. And I, I remember panic about making the right decision. Mm. Uh, uh, like there is the, very much this like even then this stigma about don't don't touch her. Why risk it? Yeah. And I all of the, you can see it on the faces of the kids walking out of the of the auditorium like. Am I going to stand in that line? If uh, should I feel pressured to, hmm. uh, like, it was. It, that's that's what that's what the stigma of this disease did, like culturally. Yeah. Uh, um, and then and then similarly, I remember, this was earlier than that. This was like in the in the eighties because it was it was junior high for sure. Talking about like if you ran into somebody bleeding on the street, would you even help them? Mm-hmm. And because because you, like even to be a good person meant that you were going to you were going to get HIV. Yeah. Like that's that's those are the kinds of debates that we were having in class with each other. Like it was it was so pervasive. The fear was so pervasive and mm-hmm. and real and and traumatizing. And I I still think about some of those things even now. Yeah. Um, Despite the fact that we have a handle on HIV in terms of like we have information, we know how yeah. it's transmitted, we know how it's not transmitted, we know like I still I still have thoughts and impulses and anxieties about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and at that point, like we we knew enough to know like basically what you were just experiencing is uh, was misinformation. Like we knew by that time the way it's being transmitted and the the at, at first it's understandable, I think that I was really interested. I didn't um, know about this before I watched all these things about the bathhouses. The bathhouses were a big uh, debate, even within the gay community of, well, we don't know how it's spreading. We think it could be sexually. Should we close down the bathhouses? Gay people understandably thought that they were being unfairly targeted, um, yeah. uh, which they were. I mean, they did end up being unfairly targeted uh, because of this, but it's during that like kind of initial phase where you're like, not sure what's happening or what's causing it. And it might be this, so maybe we should. So I I understand some of that, those misconceptions up front, but by the nineties, like we had it figured out more than that. So like, yeah, you're, those are some of the just pervasive uh, misconceptions that are probably still around today. Yep. Yep. Did we talk about specifically like how it's transmitted? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm happy to, to yeah. go over, uh, to go over that. It, yeah. It's, 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 it's transmitted se- several ways. So there is a sexual contact that is the one that most people are familiar with. Then there's also through blood transfusion. Well, um, go back to s- sexual contact. That's specific. Let's not saliva. That is specifically exchanging fluids like semen or vaginal fluids. Yeah, Correct. That's, you are correct, Kyle. Yes, I know. <laughs> no, that's just important because saliva is bodily fluid. And, uh, you know, it's important distinction that that does not transmit HIV. Yep. Uh, there is no risk of acquiring HIV if exposed to feces, nasal secretions, saliva, sputum, sweat, 
tears, urine, or vomit unless these are contaminated with blood. I'm sorry, sputum? That's uh, loogies. Lung, lung butter. <laughs> lung butter is the worst <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Um, Mucus coughed up from the lower airways. Okay, okay. Yeah, you can lo- loogie and poop on me all you want. <laughs> uh, <laughs> only certain body fluids. Blood, semen, preseminal fluid, rectal fluid, vaginal fluid, and breast milk from a person who has HIV can transmit HIV. And the fluids must come in contact with a mucous membrane or damaged tissue or be directly injected into the bloodstream from a needle or syringe for transmission to occur. Mucous membranes are found inside the rectum, vagina, penis, and mouth. I suppose nose blasting could also maybe <laughs> like, like lead, lead to... Depends on so. how hard you do it. Yeah. The second most frequent mode of HIV transmission is via blood and blood products. Uh, so it can be through needle sharing during intravenous drug use. Needle stick injury, transfusion of contaminated blood or blood product, medical injections with unsterilized equipment, um, and also then mother to child. Uh, HIV can be transmitted from mother to child during pregnancy, during delivery, or through breast milk, resulting in the baby also contracting HIV. There's an interesting thing that I didn't realize that you, when you test for HIV, you either look at antibody tests or you look at RNA tests. And it turns out that uh, antibody tests are invalid for anybody who is under 18 months old. You have to do the RNA test in order to get an accurate uh, reading of of a person's serostatus. And um, there are wide swaths of Africa that don't have access to those RNA tests. And they they, they suffer from a a lack of like good diagnostics in general, but um, in particular when it comes to infants. Yeah. You've said uh, Sarah status a couple of times. Can you uh, define that for everyone? Sure. Sarah conversion is when a specific antibody develops and becomes detectable in the blood. So when you have a, a viral infection, um, your, your body starts to produce antibodies in response. And your, uh, when you have seroconverted is when HIV specific, well, when we're talking about HIV seroconversion, that's when HIV antibodies rise to the level that you could detect them in somebody's blood. So they are now HIV positive. They are now HIV positive. Well, they, right. I mean, there is the whole like uh, undetectable is untransmittable thing. Um, So I don't think like you can't unseroconvert. Like even if you get your viral load down below a level where it's even detectable anymore, that doesn't mean you're HIV negative. Right. So it's important to sort of decouple the HIV positive and negative status from seroconversion, but most in, in you're largely right. Yeah. I was just trying to boil it down to like a, a simple way to kind of make sure. Yeah. Yo, no, for sure. Um, I'll tell you a couple other things that I learned while watching uh, these documentaries that I thought was really interesting. One is that in We Were Here, it talked about how the lesbian community, even though they hadn't always been included by gay people, stepped up and, uh, for example, donated blood or they would work at the hospitals. So I thought that was a really, even though it was specifically predominantly uh, attacking gay men, the fact that you know, lesbians stepped up and, and were like, you're, you know, we're family and, and we need to help each other out. And that's part of where I think when people 
want to. They're like, why are all these different letters together? Well, when you look back at the history, there are times like this when lesbians stepped up to help gay men, when trans people were the ones to, uh, you know, f- be the first to fight for uh, gay rights. Like the started stonewall (laughs) yeah yeah so like these groups have worked together for so long and been in and it's so important so i feel like if people don't see the connection it's almost they're they're lucky they don't have to think about anyone but their own group (laughs) um why am i going off on this thing um another thing that that really stood out and especially the connection between aids and corona um i'm actually i'm going to play a video from 5B. The hysteria, the fear-mongering, and, and how, you know, some people politicized it, and, and you know, all those things, that, that if we don't remember that, that will happen again. Could you hear that? Sort of. He said, with all the fear-mongering and politicizing of AIDS, if we don't, if we don't remember, it will happen again. Yeah. And yeah, and it did uh, again, like not identical, much quicker response when it affects everyone, not just gay people and heroin addicts. Like, but there are some of those parallels that starting to draw. Um, yeah. And then everyone, a lot of people marked uh, when Rock Hudson uh, was diagnosed as one of the turning points for like basically non-gay people being like, oh yeah, this is a thing that could affect me too. And like, so it's shitty. People need it to like enter into their own personal world, like a friend or themselves or a celebrity, like before they actually care. I forget. Did we know that Rock Hudson was gay before we knew that he had HIV? I don't know. Like I remember when Freddie Mercury died, which was later, I think that was in the early nineties. And, and that was sort of a, like, he he came out as queer the day before no he came out about his status he said he said that he was he had aids the day before he died um and i think that there were i don't know i'm 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 trying to remember i guess the association that i'm making is like a lot of people a lot of people in my family found out that uncle tommy was gay at the same time they found out that he was dying of aids like yeah, yeah. that those 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 steps were i think for a lot of people made at the same time yeah um anyway but yeah Yeah. rock hudson so you take you take a celebrity and now suddenly people fucking care yeah yeah exactly yeah and and to go back to your point just now that you know people were just starting to become open about uh, like being gay which is like the excitement of being in san francisco and castro but people still weren't either they weren't out to their family or they were out and got kicked out um so they didn't have their act you know blood family so they had to form these groups of of their gay friends and yeah there was one moment where one of the nurses in the documentary said she overheard the dad of someone who was infected with AIDS say I'd rather it's harder for me to hear that he's a fag than that he has AIDS Mm. which is like (laughs) yeah it's yeah so yeah people had to tell them both two ridiculous monumental life things. And then hopefully their family even cared or, or showed up or, you know, were willing to go see them. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's no amount of us talking about, this is part of my fear of like 
there's no amount of us talking about it that can like really understand what it's like to be there. So that's why I really recommend the, uh, the documentaries. Um, yeah. And Steve Hartman sent those over for us to watch. So thank you, Steve, for suggesting a lot of those. Yeah. Um, can I tell you about AIDS today? Yeah, please do. Um, I think a lot of people assume that um, uh, until you cleared it up for them, so they don't anymore, but assume that, oh, it's not AIDS anymore. It's HIV. So you pointed out you get infected with HIV, but at a certain point you could get to the like the third stage is AIDS. So AIDS is still a thing. People still die of it. Or like you said, AIDS related complications. So I looked at data. I wanted to kind of give the a little bit more current numbers on what's going on with AIDS. This data is from UN AIDS and the peak in AIDS related deaths worldwide was in 2004. Oh wow. So yeah, later than you may expect, um, 1.7 million people uh, died worldwide in 2010. There were 1.2 million people uh, that died worldwide in 2018 uh, which are the latest numbers I could find, 770,000 people died of AIDS-related causes. Wow. Um, so it's still this massive pandemic that's killing a lot of people. Um, in the U.S. in and, 2000... And let me guess, it's let me guess it's in poorer parts of the world. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, access to medicine is one of the big contributors to not knowing your status or passing it along. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, in 2018, in the U.S., there were 17,000 people that got a AIDS diagnosis. They reached stage three of HIV. Wow. So it's something that people are still diagnosed of and still dying of. There are just total since it started worldwide. There have been 35 million people that have died of AIDS-related illnesses. Wow. Wow, that's a lot. Like, I don't think the human brain can like even fully comprehend. No, just the magnitude of that, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. I think that's like it's hard to it's hard to talk like the numbers. Like, it's really so hard to understand that. You know, when you're talking about like, it's important to understand where it comes from and why. And like your section on the the biology or or like the kind of the medical side, but like those are each just these in, like individual things that are like, there are people that are dying and they have no idea why. Yeah. And it's, you, you talked a little bit about like how it's affected you. And uh, like, even though I didn't grow up with it as much um, as you did, I still, every time I have uh, sex, I, I, I like basically I'm like, I think I have AIDS. I know that's ridiculous and not what is act how it actually happens or anything, but I still am like, Oh, I think I have it now. Yeah. And I feel guilty that I, I've like done a lot of reckless shit. So I feel really guilty that I have not gotten HIV. Um, cause other feel people guilty that you haven't. That's interesting. Well, it's like, why, I've, I've done so many reckless things. Other people had sex with one person and got it or got stuck with a needle and, and got it. Like, I don't deserve to have to come away without it. Like, 
I didn't. Well, and not to not to fuel that fire, but there are there are people that have unprotected sex one time and end up with it. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's just uh, it's a it's a roll of the dice, right? Yeah. And um, just uh, you're you're lucky, like in a in yeah. a fairly literal way. Yeah. Ooh, that's heavy. <laughs> so okay, like. The couple of times that we have talked about it, when you're like, I, I, you, you have said to me, I think I have HIV. Like, you're you're not kidding. No. Uh, not I, that I thought, not that I thought that you were kidding, but I did think that maybe you knew that you were being crazy. I, when I, I know I'm being crazy when I say I think I have AIDS. Like I, that I recognize is not a thing. There's still like that's not a even though it's. I know not a thing. It's still like, I still have that in the back of my head as a fear, an unre mm. unrash, like irrational fear. But yeah, there are times where I have <laughs> looked up like, Oh, you have flu like symptoms. And I'll be like, I'll like feel my lymph nodes to see if they feel. And I'll be like, Oh yeah, they do feel a little bit bigger. Like I have this thing on my tongue. That's a sore. And so like there have been times where I, I also don't know if I'm a hypochondriac. I think I might be. That's that's what a hypochondriac would say. <laughs> I I tell people I worry that I might be a hypochondriac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there have been times I was like, fuck, I have HIV. And I was trying to like figure out how to deal with that. And it's just me being over, just m making assumptions and, you know, WebMDing symptoms and, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely still has instilled fear in me, partly yeah. rightfully so. Like there's part of it that is good. There's like a good fear is a weird word, but like we need to know what it is and what's causing it. And and you you should it's sca a scary thing. You should be afraid of it. Yeah. But I think it's well, gone. I, and part of the part of the fear, I think, for like the, the generation older than me is that because we have better treatments because we have prep that we're going to forget how dangerous it is. Mm -hmm. Like it's the tiger is caged, but it's still a tiger. And yeah. it, you know, if we, if we turn our back, it's going to, it's going to rear its head again or, or that the people are going to be reckless and make dumb decisions. And that all of that, all of that caution and activism and um, education is, is going to be lost because because of of the the strides that we've made, but that the next thing will come along, the next HIV will come along, and and we'll be ill prepared, ill equipped to handle it because we've forgotten all of these lessons. Yeah, it's hard to believe that if this came around again, we would be much better at dealing with it, which is yeah. a scary thought. God, what a downer. Okay, and yeah, so we'll, maybe we could just set up like you've already mentioned like your family has a very personal connection uh, to AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. My family has a very personal connection to AIDS. And I, I thought, I thought maybe we could real quick uh, call my mom and have her mom explain that whole thing. Yeah. That whole experience. This feels us. weird to do. I play the, the theme music that feels like a very weird, overly happy way to introduce this. I think we should. Cause I want to hear it. And then don't play the plucky music behind it. <laughs> okay, okay. We just need a little bit of lightness, a little bit of mic singing. Yeah, should we should we call my mom? Yeah, let's call your mom. We've got questions, she's got answers. It's time for mom's plane in. 
with Ma Johnson. Hi, Mom. How are you? Kyle's big. How can, oh, there, you're bigger. Okay. <laughs> you got big when he talks. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's what happens to me, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. You kept your mustache. Well, just for now. I think I'm going to cut this son of a bitch off real soon. Well, Mom. Uh, yes, honey. The, the, the reason we're calling today is because uh, we, were, we were talking about uh, AIDS on the episode today, and... Um, mm-hmm. how, Bro. how that we, we have, we have a, a, a family connection or a family story. And I, I kind of, I wanted you to mom explain some things. Okay. Okay. Theme music. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. So I, we, we've talked about it a couple of times before on the show, but, uh, uh, your uncle, so your mom's brother, Tommy, Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He and his partner passed away of AIDS in 1990. Uh, Axel was there, so 91. As I recall, I grandpa, everyone, or the parents, both had passed before he did, so he didn't have to. I don't think that they knew. I don't think he ever came out, or that they, you know, any of that conversation was ever had or understood. So he didn't come out to his parents. No, no. No. Well, and when he came out, actually, to my my parents, my parents, his sisters, his sister, sisters, um, he came out and told them he had AIDS about the same time. So, I mean, it was like double double whammy, but never skipped to beat. My dad called um, Tommy's partner, his sweetie. Tommy and his sweetie are coming to the party, you know, kind of whatever. <laughs> Is that Uncle Bob? Mr. Yeah. Bob. Mr. Bob. Bob. Mr. And Bob. Tommy. No, <laughs> Do you remember we were talking earlier about kind of the stigma around people that had AIDS of like, how do I get it? Can I be infected? Do you oh. remember if oh, yeah. if you were oh, worried yeah. about that? And if did so, I what ever you worry did? about it? Yeah. I, no, not really. I, you know, I, I mean, I think in your mind at first you go, oh. Oh my, you know, we could touch their soap and get, I mean, who knows, yeah. you know, that kind of crap goes through. But his, uh, AIDS manifested as, uh, a sore on his leg. He had like lesions and, per, you know, spots. Well, mm-hmm. in time, Tom, Tommy had that as well. But the, initially he could still work because the lady he worked for was a really good friend of ours. Um, and she was totally, you know, understood the whole stigma and the whole horribleness of, of how people were being treated. Um, Mr. Bob died from a lung disease. And I, I, I think it has a name. Why don't you look that up? Little fucking Dan. (laughs) Um, uh, Well, the way it uh, happened in him or what actually why he passed was from a lung thing. Like he has lungs, checked out or you know whatever but i remember um how horribly devastated uh he was because he couldn't you know he couldn't play music he couldn't go out in public he could he wore makeup on the lesions like on his arms or wherever that you know that would be because everybody was looking for those suckers you know and they of course they could not in any way overtly outwardly be gay because they would get the shit kicked out of them i would think yeah i'm I'm gonna be fucking ridiculous and i recognize that and 
the world premiere, the very first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation I watched with Uncle Tommy and Mr. Bob. And I, so I know that they were at our house in Zilla on that date in 1987. Well, they came, they came more than once. Yeah. So, okay. so what I, what I'm wondering is like, he was flying back to DC for treatment. I, I, mm-hmm. I have a vague memory that that was for AZT that, which, yep. which was just like a, the government was experimenting with that. And mm-hmm. he, he was, he went to the VA because he was a veteran. Um, yeah. uh, but I also, I don't remember if it was that early or not, I guess like what did he have AIDS? And we knew that in 1987, cause he wouldn't pass away for another four years after that. I don't think he had it then, did he? I don't think he had AIDS at first when they came and stayed with us. I think it was pretty, there was maybe only like a year or ish. So for, for, from, your, from your memory from like I have AIDS to I'm now dead was like a very short amount of time. Yeah. You know, reasonably short. Yeah. with uh, I, I would say a year. Okay. Um, yeah. Um. So so once it went, once it was obvious or once that he was sick a year and a half at the most i would say yeah um it, it, it you know it moved pretty quickly and then bob passed probably i don't know a month or so later i i was curious about like the first time where you were there in person with him and saw the lesions to me that for some reason feels like this is now a very tangible Mm-hmm. thing that you can see and touch yeah. right in front of you. I'm curious what that felt like for you. Um I it I was very sad, very emotional, very, you know, well you don't want to see anybody that you live to be sick or, you know. But that was um it and uh, you know, as I said a bit ago about the just whoa, everybody was watching looking for those signs that someone was infected or is that a proper term? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, that uh, I didn't, I mean, I looked, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so awful. I feel so bad. Hug, you know, hug, kiss, whatever. Um, I wasn't afraid of it. I wasn't afraid of him. And I wasn't afraid of, uh, after I knew, like I said, after mm-hmm. I was, I knew how, you know, it was uh, all over the board how it happened and, was God killing the gays for being doing the wrong pole? I don't know. It was, <laughs> there was a lot of it was crazy. I just loved him. I mean, he was just such a great person, and I'd spent a lot of time with him. Um, and he was not that much older than us. My mom was the oldest of seven, and he was the youngest. Um, so, and I'm not sure how old he was when he passed. Tom, or, um, Michael, do you know? He was born on May 29th of 1947 and passed away February 9th of 91. So he was 43. Yeah. Wow. Which I don't know. I'm, I'm 41. That 40. like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. I want to go back to when you found out that he had AIDS it was at that time. Did you think, did you expect him to die within the next year or so? No, like, no. Of, what, what were your expectations when you found out? Yeah. I just, you know, always, always the edge of denial hmm. uh, slash um, just he'll beat it. You know, I mean, he'll be that one guy in yeah. 8 million or whatever, or that the AZT would work or that, uh, no, I, it was, and it was so hard for me that I wasn't even in, 
involved uh, that much at the end um, because I it just hurt too much. And so um, my uncle that just passed his brother, Ron, <clears throat> and uh, his wife, Janet, were the people down in the Portland area where he passed that were there were the caregivers and they um, right to the end. Here's, here's something that I've been thinking about since Michael uh, said that we might talk about this. Ron, his brother, said at the very end, um, Uncle Tommy was praying, praying that he would be accepted into heaven and that he would not be gay. Just he, Uncle Ron told me that, that he was praying that he wouldn't be gay or that he wouldn't you know, that he would still get into heaven. That is, <clears throat> I, anyway, I wasn't able, he was in a hospice, actually physically in a hospice. And I think it, um, just, I never went down there. I, I'd seen him and been with him so many times. And it, when, um, it was pretty evident within probably weeks of him passing, I couldn't go down there. I could, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. So, um, you know, have regrets about that somewhat that I, that, I mean, he had people, family around him, but that I wasn't strong enough or, you know, however old the kids were kind of thing or, um, which would have been just an excuse because I'm sure that everyone would have understood if I'd gone down there. So anyway, what do you, uh, what do you think? You, you mentioned that it's it was hard uh, to to see that to made yeah. you, made it so you stayed away. What what about it was uh, difficult enough that it made you that it prevented you from going to be there? Just to see him. I mean, I had talked to him on the phone um, and then had gotten reports from Ron and Janet, and um, <clears throat> he was just emaciated. He, he was just covered. He was purple from lesions from and and pain and um and it wasn't even a matter of i want to remember him you know happy healthy wealthy wise and beautiful it was um <clears throat> just that pain that he had and that he was gonna die um was just more than i could even think about being with him or oh, what could I do but cry, which he didn't need that, right? So, What was his disposition when you talked to him throughout this process? He was really scared, really angry, really, you know, hoping AZT would work. Hope, you know, he's a really smart person, incredibly smart, incredibly talented. Um, uh, I. What was he angry at? That they got, I mean, it was kind of a, he said, he said hmm. about how they as a couple got it. Hmm. And he had said that Bob, he felt had been to the bat, to the bathhouses or whatever, because Tommy, for the most part, I mean, what, or was, I guess, in this relationship was monogamous. Hmm. And so he sort of blamed Bob and, you know, I mean, it's just got that kind of situation, but all, all, together why us why why gay men why i mean initially he couldn't play music he didn't feel good he there so much rejection so much um judgment and 
you know, just cruel people. He he was really scared, Grant, as you should be, as anyone would be with cancer, or as anyone would be that, um, were you know when you're near the end. And I'd never been around anyone that had lingered, or you know the the what I had always experienced with my grandparents, etc., was just that they just died, you know, yeah. like not maybe knowing if they were sick or not. But certainly they went in and had heart failure and they were gone or they had, you know. So I was kind of um, unable to, you know, see what I, what that looked like even to be with someone that would be that close or that that would be happening while you were there. I mean, it was kind of like the first person that was in the process. And you just always have your fingers crossed and you're sending up the good mojo to the universe. But, um, it's, it's just really something, you know, really hard. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, he was such a, um, sweet man. Mom, thank you for, for talking to us. I I appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay. Well, I don't know if there's anything else that I could help or say or do. Uh, uh, how's your vagina? My vagina. Would you like to see it? Oh, God. <laughs> how about how about Miss? Close your eyes, Michael. How about, <laughs> how about Laverne or Shirley? You want to see them? <laughs> um, thank you for being on. We really oh, appreciate well, it. You are very welcome. I love it. I love being able to talk to y'all. I love you. Love you too, Mom. Thank you for being on. I've never talked to you sober before. (laughs) (laughs) I love you guys. Love you too, Mom. Have a good day. Bye. (laughs) Well, one thing I wanted to bring up, I am not a silver linings kind of person. And I think to try to shoehorn silver linings into things is really fucked up and it can just suck. And that's okay. Tell us about the good part of AIDS, Kyle. No, Here we go. No, 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 no. In the documentaries, is no one was trying to say, here are the good things about AIDS. Like, no one was intentionally saying, you know, uh, trying to do that, like, oh, but we got this out of it. But it was really interesting to me that some of those things just happened to come up in a very informative, like the people that were right there, the people that either had AIDS or were working with people with AIDS talked about, for example, someone in one of the documentaries said it brought the gay community together in a way that was about more than sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's just like, it, it's a, it's a, a non-sexual way people are coming together in that it's, you know, fighting for it's, you know, p- bringing people together for politics. It's bringing people together for social change and activation. So that's a really interesting byproduct of this, that it, May there be more to being gay than sex. And it weirdly unified the community in that kind of way. Huh. Um, That's what we're doing with our show. You're right, Kyle. Gayish is like AIDS. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, nope. Uh, <laughs> tell that to the monkeys. Um, uh, one of the nurses said, like, it, uh, she had always been trained to, you know, be a little bit not cold, but like, you know, you can't be emotionally involved in your patients. Yeah. Uh, Izzy Stevens on Grey's Anatomy had to learn that time and time again. Um, yeah. And she cut she, that LVAD wire, man. She cut that <laughs> LVAD wire. That's not good. Denny Duquette. Um, who knows what would have happened? Um, but she said, 
for once, like in that was in uh, 5B, where she talked about like, we created this thing, like they didn't need people to be remain emotionally distant and look at them like they need people to hold their hand because yeah. no one would touch them. They needed people to show them compassion and care. And um, it was just for her as a nurse, that was a complete change in what she viewed as nursing until that point. So there are just some of these really interesting byproducts that, um, that I saw. It, it was very, I think, inspiring to see that people that have been through that, it wasn't everything is horrible. This is terrible. You know, they talked about a lot of heavy, hard, difficult times where they didn't know if they wanted to keep living. But also there were every now and then there were like some of the good memories that came out of this time, which is so insane to me that someone could go through that and have anything positive to think about or say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Silver linings. <laughs> no, but I, I, yeah, I hate silver linings. I know, stupid. I know, I know, I know, I know. No, but the, the point you're making is, is just, you know, that sometimes, sometimes these kinds of things can bring people together. Can, yeah. can like, And the resilience of people who were right there in the middle of it is astounding to me. Yep. I, I don't know how people could lose all their friends and keep going through that and not know what, you know, I, I just, it, I, it's, I just can't, it's unfathomable to me to, to be one of those people and, um, keep going. Yeah. Well, and on that heavy note, did we do it? <laughs> I mean, no, but it's impossible. So hopefully we, hopefully you learned something. Hopefully there's some insight that you got that you didn't know before. And, um, and there's plenty more that we need to talk about for HIV specifically. And, and there's so much to AIDS that we could get into. So this is impossible to cover every single thing. So hopefully at least we started our conversation about AIDS. I did a ton of research about AIDS and, and now feel very much, very more and very much more informed. Very much more informed. <laughs> very much, much informed. So yeah. Um, we did it as best as we could. Well, great. Let's, uh, you want to take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So are we back? We're back. We're back. <laughs> uh, we're going to do our gayest and straightest. We're going to do our gayest and straightest. But first, our website is gayishpodcast.com. Wait, Mike. What? Before anything... Yeah, I forgot to announce this on our whatever celebration one we had. We have a new teaser that I have put together some of our best clips and guests and shit we like. Uh, and so if you want to be so kind as to send this to a friend, let them think about it, try it out. It's less than 10 minutes long. It's at bit.ly slash gayish teaser. So check that out, send it to friends, and we really appreciate it. Also, cool. also, we're at Gage Podcast on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Twitter. And Discord. Well, yeah, but we're not at KS Podcast on Discord, but we are there. We are on Discord, too. Our, our hotline, you can send us text mail, text mails or leave us voice messages. Yeah. You can leave us voicemails or send us text messages. Anyway, it's 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474, a standard rate supply. 
Our email is gmail at kishpodcast.com. <laughs> and our physical mailing address is Post Office Box 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. Which, by the way, hmm? even during the coronavirus, we're getting stuff you, in the mail. What's in there? And is it for me? I want it. Give it to me. There are four naked guys coloring books. <laughs> and one of them is for my mom. One for oh you, one for me, one for Dan, and one for my mom. Uh, it's an adult coloring book for adults. Wow. I, That's what it says. An adult coloring book for adults. Give that to me in like six months, Mike. Yep, for sure. Hey. I will. Do you know who's on that? There is an Instagram tag on here. Uh, it's uh, Instagram is at Rufus Art. R-U-F-U-S-A-R-T. Is that the so, bookmaker or the person that sent it to us? I believe that both are the same person. Oh, the, this the is big memory person. I have is this person was saying, I'm going to publish this thing and I'm going to send some. Oh, to you. cool. Let's go with that's the answer. That's thanks. Rufus Art. <laughs> uh, gays and straightest. Let's do our gays and straightest. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Great. The straightest thing about me this week is uh, that I, I, um, I, I'm playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> like you say of, that so sadly kind of a lot of world of warcraft it just seems like not only is it straight bro it's straight bro like 2012 yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i am having fun though it's a fun game it's a great way to pass the time and uh there's even a gay server so you can go to the proudmore server and that is a higher than normal lgbt population we've sort of taken over that server and uh it feels safer and and nicer and um your typical internet assholes are taken care of very promptly on that server. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then the gayest thing about me this week, last night I joined the pride 48, uh, happy hour zoom call. Uh, fucking Dan was there for a while as well. And, uh, uh, I ended up uh, big fatty made me do a bunch of poppers. So. <laughs> <laughs> made you were it was yeah. this uh Oh no. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, no, I couldn't possibly wait. No, and then, and then they well, forced me to do it. Yeah, like the straight guy on the casting couch. I could never. Twenty bucks. Okay, dick in my mouth. <laughs> yep. 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 How I did? How'd you feel? How'd you like it? I don't. I don't. You still I, don't like it? I don't. Not socially. Not like hey, let's hang out and do poppers. I love the way that makes it feel, and I still haven't had the opportunity to use them during sex. Mm -hmm. uh, that isn't just masturbation which mm -hmm. it also doesn't do much for me in that arena either. So I don't know. Maybe it's just not my thing. Who knows? Hmm. Hmm. So the gayest thing is that I don't have to put my lube away. <laughs> and, it, and my like my headboard and like kind of my computer, like there's just it's. My my life is very lube filled right now. <laughs> just lube everywhere. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. It's <laughs> it's just walk carefully because you you know <laughs> slippery when let. Um, my straightest thing. I'm gonna actually work a little bit of Gata into this, which is Ooh. new for me. Um, I saw this study. It's the uh, the straightest part is like, what about straight people? Uh, homophobia. There are now studies that show that homophobia actually affects straight people because straight people may be the target of homophobic bullying, even if they are not gay. Um, so I thought that was really interesting that homophobia affects not just gay people and hashtag all lives matter, even straight people's. 
huh straight people we see you and how hard your life is <laughs> you're valid you're okay just the way you are straight people we don't fault you uh so wait that's nope. you were gonna do a listeners oh yeah a listeners gay as straightest which this time even like in advance have permission how wow. about that yeah this is f- uh, from our discord server it is alan J. Uh, who says straightest made myself nearly gag from my own farts. <laughs> uh, uh, gayest screamed like a banshee when a wasp fl- flew in my room and I ran to get my six foot five flatmate to catch it for me. Six foot five flatmate. Yeah, that's Probably the gayest thing about you. <laughs> climb on and hide. <laughs> uh, and uh, while we've been talking, Dan found a thing, and listeners can get the coloring book that we had sent to us at rufus.bigcartel.com. Thanks, Rufus. Thanks, Rufus. So is that it? That's it. All right. A special thank you to Steve Hartman for being an amazing patron and for selecting the topic of this episode. Yeah, and... Thank you also to your mom for being on and uh, your Uncle Tommy. And Mr. Bob. And Mr. Bob. Well, this has been Gayish. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next week. See you next week. I don't want to do a Polari word of the week this time. I just, it just seems weird and out of place. Okay.